Good evening. This is Karen Nutt, Director of Child Development Services at the Braille Institute. Welcome to the Dr. Bill Telephone Series. Dr. Bill Series is an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with young children with visual impairments. The topics presented should not be considered a medical or educational consultation, but information to help you uh, and help us better understand pediatric eye conditions. Tonight, we are um, speaking on toys and technology for the child with low vision. We have Dr. Bill and we have Christina Wallerstein from Playopolis, and she will join um, Dr. Bill on the call. <laughs> thank you very much, Karen. And uh, thank you very much, Christina, for participating on this call with us. So we really appreciate it very much. I appreciate having been invited. Well, tonight we're talking about something that is very, very important, and that is what kinds of tools and toys and things can we use to help a child to see. Now, most of the children that we see are children who suffer from low vision. And what low vision basically means is that these are children who are not totally blind, but they do not have perfectly normal vision. One of the really very interesting phenomenon about vision is that vision is a developed skill. For example, when we look at all newborn babies, even a newborn baby who has perfectly healthy eyes and does not need to wear glasses, those children's vision is actually very, very reduced. A newborn child with perfectly healthy eyes, their eyes are really only able to focus at a distance between 8 and 16 inches. Those children usually at birth do not have color vision. And we know that if we were to try to measure their vision on the eye chart, their vision would be right around 20 over 200, which almost means that these children are actually legally blind. But the really amazing thing is that vision is a skill that occurs in the brain. And if you feel the very back part of your head and you put the palm of your hand, you could feel we have a big bump in the back of our head. Well, that whole back portion of our head is called the occipital lobe of the brain, and that is a part of the brain that receives the information from our eyes. So in other words, the information comes into the eyes, and each eye has what's called an optic nerve, and the optic nerve then sends those signals to the back occipital lobe of the brain, and that is how we're able to see. But another very interesting thing that, that we have learned over the years is that vision is something that is developed. In other words, if we had a perfectly healthy baby and we kept that baby in a dark room all day and all night, we didn't turn on the lights, we didn't open the drapes. The brain of that child would not receive stimulation, and as a result, that child's vision would probably deteriorate. And so, number one, this tells us one very important key, and that is 
we do need to allow the child to be able to see light and dark patterns. It is not enough just to keep a baby in a darkened room. Number two, what we also know is that for children, as we show them different colors, different patterns, and different shapes, that stimulates these different regions of the brain, and that is how a child is able to learn to see colors. And before long, the child could see the difference between a square and a circle, and the child will later be able to determine the difference between mom's face and dad's face. So this whole phenomenon of vision development it is dependent on visual stimulation. And this is what is so important that we try to teach all the parents and we try to teach other doctors and other professionals because there are many people who are just under the belief that when a child is born, they have perfectly normal vision. And we have to work with these kids in order to develop their vision. If we do not do it, their vision will not improve. Now, there have been many, many research studies in the past that have really tried to confirm this, and they have always been able to demonstrate that if you do not stimulate the brain by using lights, colors, and patterns, that the vision of these children actually worsens. And if the child's vision worsens and the brain if the brain does not receive adequate stimulation, usually by the age of three years of age, there is often no longer any hope of improving the vision. So this is why it is so important that if anybody you know has a newborn baby, these babies need to have their eyes checked and they also need their vision checked. These are two really different things. The eye check is the way that doctors could look at the eyes to make certain that the tissues do look normal and healthy. But in addition to that, we need a vision check. And this is where it's usually optometrists. They will use special tools, and they're able to measure how close can the child see how far can they see? What's the smallest detail they're able to see? What colors can they see? Is the alignment of the eyes straight, or are these kids seeing double vision? Do these kids have depth perception? Can they see from the corners of their eyes? Do they have good central vision? There are all of these visual skills that can be measured and then we will measure these usually every six months to monitor how the child's vision is improving. And what we as optometrists do is what we will teach the parents how to work with their child. We will teach them about how vision develops. We will show them what games and toys to use. And we will also get them in touch with people such as Christine Wallerstein, 
who are experts in using and creating toys that promote the development of vision. And we will also communicate this information by writing a detailed report and giving this to a teacher for the visually impaired. A lot of people aren't completely aware of this, but children who have vision problems, they often will qualify to have a teacher for the visually impaired. And what we do with these reports is we share it with a teacher for the visually impaired, and we will then teach the teacher for the visually impaired how to perform these activities to develop vision, and also we'll teach the family and others how to do it. So the first thing that I want to talk to you about today is what are those basic visual skills that a child should have when they're born? And what do you need to know? What is very important for you to know about these children? The first thing is that we want to find out what is the range that a child is able to see. And we could perform certain types of tests. We use these cards that have stripes. And each card has a certain width of stripes. Some stripes are about an inch wide. Others are three-fourths of an inch. Others are only half an inch. Others are only a quarter of an inch. And they get smaller and smaller. But what we're able to do is we're able to flash the card in front of the child and we could watch if the child's eyes look at the stripes or if they can't find anything. And that's how we're able to determine if the child is able to see that particular size stripe. And we will present those cards at different distances. So this is how we know what size stripe detail a child is able to see at six inches, and what size stripe or object the child is able to see maybe at 16 inches. And so the thing to remember is that during the first two months of life, most children will see things best between the distances of 8 to 16 inches. And if we're looking at what particular size width or of something that they're able to see, it's usually going to be right around one inch width. So if you have toys or objects or things that are about one inch, then the child is usually able to see it if you hold it within eight to 16 inches. Now, this is really, really important because... A lot of times, you know, if a family is going to have their first baby and they're going to decorate the home and they're all excited, so the husband might go out to the baby store and tell the wife, why don't you go shopping and I'm going to do some work around the house. And he decorates the baby's room and he buys all of these different types of small, really pretty pictured wallpaper things, and he sticks it with wallpaper adhesive right against the ceiling and the wall, and it goes around the whole perimeter of the room. 
And it just looks so beautiful in the child's nursery. And then the wife comes home. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, what do you think of this? I just put this up for the baby. And your wife then says to you, Honey, do you think that the baby's going to be able to see that? I thought I thought that babies don't see very good. Didn't you say that? Oh, yeah. I decorated my baby's whole nursery before she came home. And I did everything wrong. I had pink and yellow and little pictures of bunny rabbits and things like that. And it was all about 10 feet away from where the baby would be lying. Oh, my gosh. I felt like a fool. I was supposed to be one of the experts in vision, and I can't even do that, right? (laughs) So remember at what distance that the child will see, 8 to 16 inches. Number two, we want to think about What are the colors that the newborn child will see? And for the first three to six months, it's going to be black and white. They won't see those other colors. They're just going to be washed out. It won't be until six to nine months the baby starts to see some of the primary colors like red and blue. And it won't be until over 12 months that the child is able to see some of these pink and yellow pastels and things. So early on, we're going to use just real simple black and white. Number three, we also want to find out what is most stimulating for children to see. Do they want to see real complicated faces? Do they want to see videos that you turn on the TV? They really don't. Anything that's going to be more simple is going to be better. You could use your computer and draw a happy face using a black circle and make two eyes and a smiley face, and you'd be surprised at how much a newborn is so interested in looking at that. You may have seen some of these, and these are visual stimulation booklets, and they have all of these black and white, real simple patterns. You can have a page that just has vertical stripes, another page that might have horizontal stripes, another page might be just polka dots, and kids become very excited to see that. Number four. Remember that if you move the objects or the pictures, it becomes much more interesting for the child. If you just pin it on the wall, the child's probably not going to look at it. But if you hold it and then three seconds later you move it to a different direction, three seconds later you move it someplace else, you'll notice that your child's moving his or her head to follow it. It is really, really amazing. Number five, you also want to make certain that you have adequate lighting in the room. You don't want to be in a completely dark room, but you also don't want to take your baby out into the backyard since the baby's eyes are shining right in the sun. Keep working in the house, and usually it's going to be best that if the baby's back is facing the window 
So let's say you have a sliding glass window there. Let the baby's back face the light so that it's not too bright, and you're then going to have enough lighting. Number six, you could also remember to add sound to it. Maybe you make certain sounds, you know, you got a buzzer sound or you got a squeaky horn or maybe you use your fingers and you tap the paper. Other things that we have done is we we have found other types of crinkly paper at the party toy store. I don't know what you call it, but it's a type of paper that when you crinkle it, it makes a lot of noise and it seems to be very, very interesting for the kids that way too. Other things that you want to do is you also want to incorporate other types of cause and effect things. Other types of cause and effect. You may bring this paper closer, and if the baby starts to reach for it or touch it with a hand, if his or her hands touch it, then you might have a little uh, stuffed animal or uh, a jack-o'-lantern or anything pop up behind the page, and the child will laugh usually. Sometimes they get a little startled, but then they start to laugh. But these are some of the types of activities that you can do without really having to buy anything that is that special. We want you to be as creative as possible. Also, look around the house to see what else you have. There are so many packages that you have. You can look into your cabinet. You probably have some uh, frosted flakes. Oh, boy, we could use a Tony the Tiger box, and that becomes a nice visual stimulation toy. I remember for my daughter when she was born, I just used a Tide box. The laundry detergent was right there. I said, hey, why don't we try this? And she was interested in it for some reason. You could use your face, move your face from one location to another. Also, you could use a hand mirror. Let your child see his or her own face. And with these activities, you don't have to do it for an hour straight. They're going to lose attention. You might do it for 15 seconds and then put everything down and come back in another minute or whatever. But it's very interesting to see how they become so excited with us. Another good thing to do is that when you are feeding your child, you could go ahead and make the bottle high contrast by using some electrical tape and wrapping that electrical tape around the bottle. Move that bottle. Make noise with the bottle so that the child will have to follow it. And when she follows it, Then you go ahead and bring the bottle closer and then grab one hand and gently place it on the bottle. Grab the other hand, let them touch the bottle, and then let them drink from it. They'll start to develop that type of eye-hand coordination. So these are just some examples of some 
activities and things that you could do. I'm going to turn it over to Christine, who's going to share with all of you about her company and the toys and things that they have. But before we go into that, I want to tell you one other thing. Many, many newborn babies, believe it or not, they need glasses. Glasses are something that could improve their vision. Now, many people say, well, how are you ever going to fit a small infant like that with glasses? How is a child ever going to keep them on? Well, there are now so many custom eyeglass frames that are of different sizes, and they have a very special nose bridge so that the glasses do stay on. We also have special lenses now. We have lenses that are very, very thin and very lightweight. We have lenses that can turn dark when we go out into the sun. We have other lenses that could focus at different distances. We have frames where on the earpiece, it wraps around the ear so that we don't have to worry about the glasses sliding down the nose. We have all sorts of different types of glasses now that can instantly improve the vision of a child. And also, we could use glasses to straighten the alignment of a child's eyes. If you see a child who has the eyes that go inward, crossing, that's called esotropia, we could often fit these kids with glasses and straighten their eyes such that these kids don't need to have eye surgery. It's wonderful. And when kids have other visual problems where their vision is blurred, maybe they were born premature, maybe they have a cataract, maybe they have an optic nerve disease, we now have telescopes that are about the size of the eraser on a wooden pencil. They are that small so that when the child wears these glasses, the eyes can look through that telescope and can begin to see things that are across the room. We will often fit these with kids when they're about 12 months old. And this is what stimulates a child to see objects across the room and to begin to crawl. We also have other types of really great technology now. There's a software program you might be interested in. It's called Zoom Text. Z-O-O-M-T-E-X-T. And this is a software program that will work on a Windows computer, and you could download this onto your computer for free. And what this program will do, it will magnify whatever you have on your computer. So let's say that your child likes to look at movies now. Well, we could magnify what's on that movie screen. We could magnify what's on the computer. And this way, the child now who has 
visual problems can play the games that his brothers and sisters are playing. Another great device is called the video magnifier. And this looks like a computer screen, and it has cameras on there. You could put a book right underneath the camera, and the picture is going to be in a magnified view on the computer screen. So this is a way that mom and dad could read stories to the child, that the child could see the pictures in the book very, very comfortably and very easily. And these same devices are then used at school. So let's say that this child is now going to preschool. We could flip up the camera so that it focuses on what the teacher's doing at the front of the room and the child could see it on the big screen. These closed-circuit television software computers, there are so many things that are available. And every day... Every day when I'm at work, we recommend some of these devices for the kids. We write a letter, we send it to the school, and the school is usually very, very good about getting these for the kids. So at this time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn it over to Christine. And Christine, uh, again, thank you for being on the show. And uh, would you tell everybody about you and your business? Um, sure. We um, are an online business, and we also attend uh, conferences such as the California uh, Teachers, uh, excuse me, Transcribers and Educators of the Blind and Visually Impaired. So we sometimes get to meet parents as well as the teachers, and that's exciting. Um, and for those who live in in Los Angeles area or are passing through, uh, if they wanted to call and, and come over and take a look, um, we, could, we could work that out. Because I know there's nothing quite as useful as being able to play with the toy before um, deciding if it's for Hell yeah. Style. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we've all um, made some pretty big mistakes in buying for our children, sighted or not, and um, just because... We forget uh, about their personalities and um, and likes and dislikes when we're just looking at, hmm, developmentally this would be a good choice. So I think that um, it is always preferable to be able to see and, and touch a toy. I was thinking in terms of the newborns and, and very wee ones, that baby paper is a, is a great choice. It's something that is available in black and white stripes, so you have the high contrast, and it has that crinkle paper inside. It's only about six inches square, so it's and it's lightweight, so it's easy for the little hands to hold and manipulate, and um, visually uh, offers the, the good contrast. Then a little bit later. Um, there's also a baby paper that comes with dots, just a very bright red, yellow, green, and blue dots on, on a black, um, excuse me, on a white background. So those are two that are, are best for the very young, although there are some other color combinations and more 
complex um, designs such as a jigsaw puzzle that come in um, come into play a little bit later uh, better I think um, you talk too about um, books with very simple uh, images for the children and also thinking about black and white and there's one that is called the see and say book and it's a board book very simple black and white bits of red that'll have say the word baby on it but it'll just have a picture of a baby black solid black drawings and very simple features and there's also a little bit of a mirror in there so that the baby can see as well although um the, the mirrors in books are often a little bit more distorting than than regular mirrors. So um, another choice would be the Ambi Baby Mirror, which is um, a handheld one, not too different, say, from um, a, a mirror that a mom or dad might have, except there's no handle. It's just round so that the child can can hold it between the, you know, in the palms of his hands with his fingers. And it's, um, it gives a very good uh, reflection. And thinking about combining purposes, uh, one mirror, the double feature mirror, is a rectangle that one side of it is a very high-quality uh, mirror, and the other side is composed of six different uh, black and white uh, designs. One is um, a picture of um, of a baby's face. Other things are more geometric lines and, and whatnot like that. So that's something that you can get double duty out of because you can put the the um, depending on which side you put out. One of the things I like about the double feature mirror is that when the child's older, uh, say getting ready to crawl um, up on, so that he can push himself up on his um, hands and feet, put, putting the mirror down on the floor so that um, he's getting a different view of himself. He's looking oh, down yeah. on the mirror and seeing himself from that angle rather than sitting and seeing himself. And I, I just think that's an interesting experience for a child, somewhat what different anyway. Um, there are different thinking about that age when they're getting ready to crawl. The Wiggly Giggly Ball is about a, a 8-inch ball in diameter, and it has tubes inside where, as it rolls, the air goes through the tubes and makes um, a sound. It's not really a giggly sound, but um, it seems to make children giggle and laugh. <laughs> and, um, and that's good. It's... Um, Something that, if you push it just a little bit, it'll roll just a little bit. It's not something that's going to skitter across the floor faster than um, a beginning crawler can can possibly go. So maybe just batting it with his hand and then hearing it uh, giggle as it sort of it sort of wiggles across the floor. That's how it gets its name. So as I say, it's not going very far, very fast that the child will tend to crawl after it, and that helps the child to develop the, the mobility better, I think. And about the time that 
they're looking at um, stuffed animals. Kids get way more stuffed animals, I think, than they know what to do with. But um, mm-hmm. there's <laughs> one <laughs> designed particularly for special needs kids, not just children with um, with low vision, but uh, a, with with features that um, support all kinds of learning. And Buddy is is a white dog with um, with black features, and um, so his ears are black and, and that sort of contrast. Uh, he has lots of texture as well, so that is, if you feel his ears, one side will have, say, raised dots on it, uh, kind of like dotted swift, uh, which is a kind of material that people may not be familiar with, but it's it's just uh, slightly raised, but it gives a good um, experience in terms of, of, of a different feel. Then oh. um, there's also a vest that he that he can that a child can put on and take off. It's a reversible vest, and one side is solid, and one side has black and white stripes. So visually, it's very stimulating, and it has um, it has a, a like a teething ring kind of ring on it at the bottom where a dog's tail would be. And if you pull that ring, um, you feel a vibration, and uh, the vibration is very. It's a, it's a soft vibration, and it's of short duration because their research found that if it lasts too long, the children lose their interest in it. But if it goes away and while they're still interested, that stimulates their desire to keep pulling at it and make it come back. So they're getting that experience of cause and effect. I do this, and this happens. And... Um, that's very good for the fine motor skill development and for just general stimulation. Um, the feet are, are red, and the paws are red, and both have a tactile um, surface. So that sort of, uh, I think, gives the child very many opportunities to develop skills and uh, that regular stuffies or or plushies or whatever, uh, don't do. And I, I think that that's a, that's a particularly good one because the facial expressions are very clear. They're large. You know, the dog's eyes are quite large, his nose, his mouth, and oversized and friendly looking. So they do attract attention and, and give quite a lot of value for, for, um, what other wives might do just to cuddle and it, it kind of the sight, the textures, the sounds are all really quite um, useful. Wow. Mostly don't have vibration, and I think vibration is is really useful as well. How how big is this dog? Um, I would say that he's probably if he's seated, he's probably about eight inches tall. Oh, okay, but, great. And um. And you can he will he will stay seated if you you know if you set him down on his bottom he'll stay seated but you can also pick him up and pretend to make him walk if you want um, but he's he's a really unusual boy in that he is he gives you that 
soft, cuddly experience, but oh so much more in terms of developmental experiences. You know, it's also really nice as I'm listening to all of these activities, it would be so easy to take these with you. If you're taking, you know, the baby to grandma's house, you could you could put this in a bag and take it with you in the car so easily. All of these things, right? All of these toys really are very portable, um, pretty lightweight. Um, the biggest one would be, you know, the wiggly giggly ball, but it's like I say, seven or eight inches diameter, it's, it's not very big. Uh, it'll roll around in the back of your trunk if you put it there and kind of make you laugh as you drive, <laughs> but that's okay, too. Yeah. I've had a lot of the, the teachers of the um, visually impaired talk about that, that uh, the itinerant teachers will have it rolling around and um, forget that it will roll, that it will sound off as long as it's rolling which will be as long as the car is going. Um, and there's a thinking about developmental skills. There's uh, Babies have lots of choices, or young children, babies don't actually sort, um, sort like that. But for the older um, toddler age, the Ambi Lockup Lock is my absolute favorite uh, sorting toy because the, there are only three pieces. That's about all a very young child can begin to discriminate among, and the pieces are three-dimensional. So instead of a, a dowel being uh, representing a circle, it's a ball so that you can feel in the palm of your hand what that feels like mm, and, yeah. and more easily drop it down the round hole. Uh, the, the, for the square hole, you get a cube. So any way that you manipulate your hand, it's going to fall down and, and go through. It's it's not going to frustrate a, a young child, especially beginning when you're beginning to post shapes or even if it's not something where you have to discriminate the shapes. When you're beginning to drop things, I think the kid's wrist rotation isn't that well developed yet. So if they have to fit something, like really fit the piece into the hole, it's, it's beyond their um, their motor skills at that point. And and the um, the triangle is a tetrahedron, so there again, whatever face you put to the opening, it's going to go through. And then each shape is, is outlined by a raised rim. So that helps you to guide your hand as well as visually with the eye-hand coordination. And the way you get the, the pieces out is with a, a lock, and, lock and key, and the key is attached, so you don't have to worry about losing it. But as you turn it, you hear a gear sound, as if you had really turned the key. So you get the, the sound stimulation, and that cause and effect of, okay, now I've opened this door, and I can put my hand in and take everything out. And I can close it, and I can lock it back. So it's a toy that's going to be useful to a child over a period of time. Obviously, at first, probably the parents are not to retrieve the shape. And um, I have had teachers tell me that sometimes they take a piece of cardboard and, and cover the top for beginning um, of children so that they're not 
having to discriminate shapes. They're just dropping the ball down the round hole, and because that's that's the first step. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. even for for kids who um, aren't ready to discriminate shapes. It, it's pretty um, adaptable. And then later, you know, when they get to be three or so, there's a, a new item called discovery shapes where the shapes, well, you start out with 16 squares. I'd say they're about two and a half inches square. And each has cutouts in the middle into which you can insert shapes. And although there are 16 of these squares, there are only four shapes and there are only four colors. So that you can um, mix and match the shapes into the squares, um, which, you know, sometimes matching is the, is the goal. Can you identify this color as red and, and, and put it in the red square? But from a more creative um, and language-building point of view, being able to mix and match and, and talk about what you're seeing and and if you're doing it on a light table, the light's going to be illuminating um, the colors so that they're easier to see. Um, that that gives you more opportunities to build build vocabulary and um, and creativity. Some kids they um, they're hesitant to uh, let go and just just do it however they want because it might not be right, but. Um, but they have permission to do that with this. They can match if they want, or they can mix it all up. And um, I think for kids around the age of three, at two, a lot of kids could do it. But um, but certainly by three, it, it's more um, more assured of success, I think. But kids seem to like putting things in and out, and um, so. Even if you just gave a child a few pieces at, at a younger age, they would probably enjoy just putting the shape, say, the circle into the square that has the circle cut out. And all the different pieces, each shape has its own distinctive texture so that um, kids are getting exposure to color and to um, shape and to texture and seeing um, the differences. And it, it uses the same three basic shapes, the, the circle, the square, and the triangle. And what it adds is very interesting. It's the plus sign. So um, I think that's the unfamiliar one for most children. But it's also one that's easy to not get confused with any of the others. It's so nice because all of these activities are so developmental. It's not just a visual stim. You know, it's working on their cognition and their categorization. I mean, they're really good. They are. And I think that most toys, um, the, the best toys, give you many different ways to use them and to and, and different skill-building opportunities and allow the child to use the toy over a period of time because... Um, some are more expensive than others, and you really want to get your money for it. I'd like to ask a question. Has it been your experience that um, the schools are are buying all of these for their classrooms? Because if you have a class with 
you know, many children with low vision, all of these activities would be so helpful in the classroom. Um, I'm not so sure, um, statistically speaking, but I know that when I go to, like, CTEDVI, the, the teachers get excited about what I have, and um, <clears throat> I hear that um, many times they need to spend their own funds to get mm-hmm. what they need or want. Um, other times they will be able, depending upon the district and its budget, to place an order for some of them. I think that it, it varies widely. I think okay. there agencies that provide the early um, intervention have probably a wider selection or, or greater depth of, of toys because they're focused on a narrower age group. And so over time, if you stick with your job, you just acquire more. Um, because I, I know that in my experience of meeting and, and getting to know these people, they're pretty dedicated and and want to provide um, for the kids yeah. as much as they can. And so I, I think I think it's a mixed bag as far as as accessibility, but um, but I know the early intervention program and to have quite a variety of of toys. To meet the different needs. Great. Now, um, would you be able to answer some questions from the audience if they have questions, or do you well, have other? Right. Do you have other activities, toys that you'd like to talk about before we go to questions? I think that um, I think we can go to questions, and that might lead to uh, me okay. some other toys. But I think we. Because I know that time is growing short, and I don't want anybody not to get questions answered. Okay. I'm going to ask the first question, and then anybody else who has questions, go ahead and unmute your phone by pressing uh, pound six, or is it star six? One of those two. But my, my first question, how, how did you get interested in this, or how do you know so much about these particular types of toys? Are, are you a teacher? Um, not of young children. The only teaching I ever did was of college-age students. Oh, you did? Our, yeah, but when our son, who's now 43, so this is ancient history, um, was little, um, we had the opportunity for him to attend Pacific Oaks Children's School and um, got became interested in child development and when I started my business, it was mostly to work with the traditional early childhood educators. But then I became interested in what happens to children in hospitals. So that led me to child life. And one of the child life specialists was leaving that profession to go to Braille Institute to work in their preschool program that was just starting. So... Um, she invited me there, and that's when I became interested in in the issues of um, the blind and the visually impaired, and that was so many years ago that oh. I think some of it's osmosis and a lot of it's just experience with talking to all the people who actually provide the services. 
Oh, thank goodness. That is wonderful. Okay, are there anybody out there who has a question for Christine? Can you hear me now? Yes, that's much better. Hi, what's your name? Oh, wonderful. My name is Carl, and I have a little boy who's visually impaired, and he's just turning five. And I was wondering if there was something that um, that um, Christina could recommend. I mean, I, I was listening to her talking about the other the other toys, and I was just wondering, what do you think is best for a five-year-old? I'm actually on the uh, Playopolis website as well. Well, can you tell me something about about your son? Is um, in terms of development, um, are we? Are there my special son issues? Turned, my son turned five uh, this this week. He oh, is attending a normal preschool, um, just with fully sighted children. Um, he's seen Dr. Bill a few times. He's, he actually just got another, he has Peter's anomaly in both eyes, and he just had another surgery to, which is his 15th surgery to get a new, um, cornea in his eye. Um, he can see a little bit. He sees pretty well, but not very far, only a few feet in front of him. Um, he's a super high-energy child. He loves to run and play. He talks, <laughs> a, he talks a lot. He's, uh, he's super, he's super curious, and he loves light toys. But I have a problem with light toys because so many lights and children's toys are so bright, they're going to damage his eye, and... It's hard to find those kind of dull lights, if you know what I mean, where you could put it up to your eye and look at it for, you know, a few seconds, 10 seconds, and your eye would be okay. So those are the things. He, he sees toys with these bright lights, and he wants and he wants them, but I'm hesitant to get them for him because if I turn around for a second, he's going to have it in his eye and damage his eyes. Um that is a challenge. Dr. Bill, are you familiar with the meteor storm, the light spinning one that... Um, no, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, well, it's one where you press a button and uh, a ring inside the globe of the a light spins. I think it's rather bright, but I've seen... Um, he, he does, he does like those. He does like those a lot, but as he's getting older, I was wondering if, and maybe Dr. Bill could speak to this, if there's more, something more mentally challenging is right for him, you know, putting together some kind of puzzle rather than just looking at a light. don't know about a, a puzzle that uh, is light activated or anything. I, I know of puzzles that reward putting them together properly with um, with sound or um, okay that that's a possibility okay I know that there's we have one on motor vehicles and we have one on farm animals where if you 
put the piece in, then it's going to make the appropriate sound. Um, there's also a new line of them that does nursery rhymes, and, and they do the opposite. You, um, when you remove the piece, it, it says the nursery rhyme. And then to shut it up, so to speak, you put the piece back. And um, that kind of confuses me a little bit, except kids don't seem to mind it. They kind of like um, having the power to shut the thing off if they don't like the um, particular words. Uh, and then I was thinking if he if he's very active and, and likes running around and all, there's a huge ball called uh, a jingling ball that's transparent and has jingle bells inside, and uh-huh. it's some it's probably mm, 21, 22 inch diameter. So I mean, he could it's something you take to the park or if you have a large backyard that he could, um, you know, just push it as hard as he can and then chase it, uh, and then when you pick it up and shake it. Those, those bells, of course, also shake. There's a companion ball, very similar, called activity ball, that instead of the, the jingle bells, it has, oh, about a dozen harder rubber balls inside, probably mm, inch and a half, two inch diameter, that really hop um, around inside when you shake it hard. And um, I'm thinking that if he's a real active child that that might be that that might be something that that pleases him. And okay. Does he have a light box? He does have a light box. Yes. Um, some of the toys there are quite a few that work well on that. Um, I'm thinking that that might be intellectually stimulating in that you can put things together. Um, I'm lost for a second, trying to remember the name of um, of one, but it comes, it'll come to me, I hope, and it's available in circles or in squares, but you can use the, um, you can use them together, too, to build things, and they're translucent, so that when you uh, when you build with them on the light table, you get uh, they they come more alive than if you're mm. just doing it on um, on on the tabletop or the floor. And um, oh, they're called interlocks. That's it. And they're either circles or squares. And I, I think that's kind of cool. Or if he's more mechanically inclined, um, there's a toy called Design and Drill. Right work, and it's it's a drill, a real drill, but um, but it's designed just to to put these certain kinds of plastic um, bolts into. I saw that. I was I yeah. saw that on your website. I was very interested in that. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, yeah, because it, it's the light, it's a black background. So in that particular instance, and so the the rainbow colors, mostly, um, well, there's no purple, but there's red, orange, yellow, green, and blue. They they really glow nicely um, from the light built in. Plus, it makes sound, you know, like a geary sound when you pull mm-hmm. the, um, the, the drill. Most kids kind of like noise, 
more than parents do anyway. <laughs> well, since you're in L.A., maybe I can, after our, the call, I can um, call you up and see if we can come by and meet with you sometime. Sure. I would I would welcome that opportunity because I, I truly do know that it, it, it pays to look at things and, um, and evaluate them in terms of what you know about your child and you know more about them than any of the rest of us do. That, Will you be sure to yeah. give your information at the end of the call? Yeah, would you sure. would you be willing to give it out now, Christine, your uh, contact information? Okay. Thank you. Um, the, the website is uh, Playopolis Toys, and that's P-L-A-Y-O-P-O-L-I-S-B-O-Y-S dot com. And um, I can, you can certainly email me. Uh, just put Christina, which is C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A at playopolistoys.com. And you can call the number 626-792-2380. And um, because we're a, a web-based company, there isn't a, um, a brick-and-mortar store. So uh, it's best to give me a call make an appointment so that I'm sure I'm here. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much. Oh, thank you. You know, a couple of the ideas that I had, is your son wearing glasses now all the time? Yes. He's been wearing glasses all the time now for probably two and a half to three years. And are his glasses tinted? I mean, we could tint them if we want to reduce the brightness of light that he looks at, that's one possibility. They're, transi- they're transition lenses. Okay. So if you feel that, you know, the transitions indoors, they're clear, we could also tint those a little bit so that they're slightly tinted indoors and they turn darker outdoors. But even the game Light Bright, you might remember the Light Bright game, Yes. There's pegs and you create animals or you can write letters or things like that. That's a good game to develop his eye-hand coordination. And like with other blocks that Christina was talking about, there are tangram blocks. And you could use those on top of a light box and that will develop the visual-spatial skills. It's more like doing puzzles. Okay. So tangrams would be very good. Handgrams. T-A-N-G-R-A-M-S. What was the first letter? T as in Tom. Uh Uh-huh. A-N. Tan. Uh T-A-N. Gram. G-R-A-M. Thank you. Thank you both. Okay, great. Let's see, is there anybody else who has a question for Christina about any uh, toys or a child that you're working with? Okay. Well, gosh, you know, this timing worked out just perfectly. Uh, It's the time that we will end this, but I think, uh, Christina, I think we're going to have to do this again, and we'll have to talk about other toys that you have found and discovered for these kids. So, on, on behalf Thank you of, both for being on the call tonight. I appreciate it. Yes, and what we'll, what we'll be doing then, we want to thank Mr. Dick Burden from Airs LA for recording, and we will be putting this up on the website and at the Braille Institute website for any of those who want to follow up with this. Okay? 
So, again, thank you very much, everybody, and good night.